Hello everybody, thanks for tuning in again. This is episode 190 of the China Manufacturing Decoded podcast. I'll be your host today. This is Renaud Angelhan from Sophist, and I'm together with Andrew, who is often joining us on this podcast. How are you doing, Andrew? Oh, great. Thank you. I got a little bit of hoarse voice, but uh, other than that, <laughs> great to be here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, no, no worries. Uh, you, you you come out pretty, pretty clear. So today's topic is how supplier quality can be evaluated and validated. Supplier quality, whether you buy some standard off-the-shelf product, whether you you develop your own products, uh, whether you uh, manufacture your your, your products or manufacture products for your customers, you always need to worry about supplier quality at one point or another. I mean, as long as you did with products anyway, uh, you have to worry about the the, the material suppliers, the component suppliers, you know, uh, the, the, the assembly supplier, if you don't do the assembly, and so on and so forth, right? So it's always a concern of so many uh, so many companies, right? So the, the first thing is, why is this even important, right? Why do we even talk about supplier quality? <laughs> right. So let, let, let me ask you a question. Can we say that if you have bad suppliers, you know, your, your projects will, will tend to go bad. You will tend to have bad products. Can, can, can we say like this? Can Is that a fair statement? It sure is, most certainly. I, I think that um, when it comes to supplier quality, we really need, we are really talking about two aspects of the supplier quality. One is how uh, the supplier itself is actually behaving, acting, and actions that they're taking to support us in a manner that uh, satisfies us as a customer, but also um, the products that they supply to us are, you know, um, basically best of the best and in terms of quality, and uh, we're not incurring any kind of issues. I think those are the two important parts. It's, it's the suppliers, its own actions, and in terms of being quality supplier, uh, and then at the same time, um, the products and services that they they provide to us, right, right. Now we say best of the best for for the needs of the project, right? So yeah, that's, people, that's probably right. <laughs> yeah, if people listen to us, they like well, whatever, you know. I I I just buy some giveaway products, like one time use that right. are given away. So like quality doesn't matter, but well, okay. But if you have like big there are still such a thing as really bad quality that would kill your 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 deals, right? Correct. Um, if it's I don't know, you you send promotional items to um, a bank, for example, and they give it away in a, in, in in a conference. Okay, well they still care that you know the the logo, their logo on the products looks good and is the right color. If it's not. They will refuse to pay you for, for for the products, right? Even though it's I don't know a thirty cents uh, one time use, really simple kind of product, right? So everybody has quality uh, concerns, you know, to to keep in mind. And if you are 
uh, yeah, if you are Apple, if you are Bang & Olufsen in, uh, in, in like sound products, if you are Rolls Royce for, for cars or, or, or even if we just say like, you know, premium or, or luxury, like if you're, you're, you're Maserati or you're Mercedes-Benz, your quality concerns will be much deeper, much wider. Right? Yes. You, you will have a lot of dimensions of quality and a lot of ways that things can go wrong. Right. Whereas in the, the simply, the very, very, yeah, simplified example I shared before, well, you know, there's one or two things that they care about and, and that's it. It's very simple, but still you have to worry about supply quality. Right. So I think bad supply quality can, can kill any kind of, um, of deals can, can really, uh, hurt any kind of business. And again, when we talk about supplier quality, yeah, it's among many dimensions. Maybe, maybe we should, we should mention that it's about the dimensions of the products. It's about the colors. It's about all kinds of things. It's about the, the you know, the reliability and durability of certain right. components, right? If a, um, it, it looks good. It feels good. It works well. Uh, but after uh, after one thousand cycles, oh, that metal part is starts start to show some fatigue, and it doesn't work the same way. And then uh, you know, like two thousand cycles, it, it breaks easily. So they all cracked. Well, that's no good. That's not good. You know, good quality also, right? That's not what you want. As long as you specify it and, and it's very clear what the purpose of the product is, that is also a dimension of quality, right? So. There's a, there's a lot of aspects here, right? Now, let's think of when you should actually start to, to, to care about supplier quality, right? And, and, and what you should do if you buy parts or you buy products to mitigate the risks of supplier quality. So yeah. if you, again, let's start with a simple example, right? You buy a standard off-the-shelf product, I don't know, you... You buy a, a toaster that you find on the on the Canton Fair, and you say, "Okay, this is this is good, just like that. Just slap my logo, and 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 that's it. Let's go ahead." At what stage do you do you start to worry about the supplier? Right, you start to worry about the supplier once you found the nice sample, and you see people on the booth, but the people on the booth that doesn't tell you much about supplier quality, does it? Right. So at that stage, you need to you need to look into this. And we'll, we'll we'll come to that later in this episode. Now, if if you actually develop your own toaster from scratch because you wanted to, I don't know, have like a robotic arm that's going to go down and grab the piece of bread and take it out instead of uh, using springs to pop it up. Uh, yeah, I'm making stuff up. Who knows, right? I, I'm sure we'll see something like that. Maybe it already exists, right? <laughs> <laughs> Right. And maybe it it, like, it it takes the the piece of bread and, like turns it around so it's like toasted in a different way. Anyway, um, <laughs> or maybe it only toasts on one side, not the other side. If you want, right? Uh, there's a lot of um, things one could imagine. So you want to you want to develop that. When when do let's say you have a quality function in your company? Maybe that's quality uh, department, maybe there's two people working on supplier quality. Right. When will they start to be uh, called, uh, you know, uh, to, to, to look at that project? When will they start to be involved? Well, I think that uh, when it comes to designing your, your product from scratch, 
you're probably going to have several points where you're going to go back to quality side of things and check things right at the front up front you want quality parts so but you also need what they call primary part that is uh, basically we know it's going to work for the initial prototype uh and so designers typically already have some parts in mind and they want to talk to suppliers that can actually produce these parts and at that point honestly i don't think they don't even think about price so much some of the design engineers don't even think about quality so much at the beginning they're thinking okay if this part is this part going to work uh, is my product is my project going to work or not and so usually they push all that work like you said to either quality engineer or purchasing and you know as you know uh, although we have a lot of uh, very knowledgeable and experienced purchasing teams that they have worked so much with quality and testing and reliability teams so they they kind of have gotten an idea of what needs to be done they don't know the details of it but they can't generate those test plans and so forth but they know that okay some kind of a test is needed for example so usually these two these teams you know in terms of quality and purchasing sometimes reliability team as well as design engineer they get together and they have a meeting okay what is the uh what's our requirements what is it that we try to achieve typically every new project right up front has a prd product uh requirements document and that's when you know they refer to that and it talks about mm-hmm. for example uh features performance look and feel of the project and uh also quality and uh warranty and reliability and and such so in these uh in this document that's where they find all the information they need in terms of quality then they start assigning tasks okay you you go and check the quality of this supplier i'll go check the quality of the other guy and so forth let's meet uh in a couple of days and kind of you know put all our information together but at the end of the day you know a week or two later hopefully they have come up with one sole source that is going to be considered as primary source that is going to achieve all the features requirements of the design and project and hopefully they have also uh come up with two what they call second source suppliers maybe a low tier supplier a little bit um low cost maybe not such a tight tolerance uh maybe slightly loose tolerance uh you know not exactly same uh high quality standards uh compared to the you know uh, uh the first supplier but yet you know might be just okay if the tolerances and are not so uh, sensitive uh can use the other two in, in case the first one has issues and or for cost cut and purpose unfortunately you and i both know uh that at the beginning of the project pro most most teams are so so busy and that they actually don't go after second and third supplier so they, right. they just come up with yeah. one supplier right you ever have yeah, that situation yeah 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 well i mean actually on relatively small projects they need to be quick with a small pro- you know there's a small budget and so on i right. understand that right, right. you can't 
because all of that costs money because it takes time and people need to be paid, right? So yeah. I kind of understand that, but on relatively ambitious projects, yeah, that's really important. And then, so there's this sourcing work done and then the supplier quality function should look at look at that with a with an eye primarily on critical suppliers, right? The expensive parts yes. and the custom made parts, right? So, oh, that custom battery that's going to be expensive, or oh, the display, or oh, the PCBA, oh, yeah. whatever, right? This uh, camera right. module, oh, okay, we need to look into these these right. things, you know, for the toaster, yeah, the oh, the mechanical arm. The controller and all these things, um, these are critical parts, and we need to we need to make sure that we have the right supplier for that, right? The, oh, the plastic enclosure that's going to be custom made. Yeah, we need to make sure these guys know what they're doing, right? right. So they're going to have an eye primarily at these kinds of things, these parts, the suppliers of these parts, right? Yeah, that's true, and I think that a lot of times. Um, um, it, you said you said the key word, you know, small company and big company. You know, if you got a small company, you're dealing with certain kind of issues. For example, maybe not enough people to really uh, understand uh, what's involved in all aspects of the product development. So maybe, for example, two people are involved in uh, starting a small company. And one of them is a mechanical engineer and the other one is a design engineer, electrical engineer. Well, there's no quality engineer there, right? So that's the drawback with small company. In the big company, uh, there's just too much going on. And, uh, usually each person has several projects. And so how they manage that project, how, uh, they prioritize those projects is going to be the problem sometimes, you know, here it is one, one project is right at the initial stages and critically need those critical parts. Like as you, as you mentioned, you know, uh, displays, PCBs, enclosures, custom, custom, um, uh, ID and all kinds of little custom parts. But then at the same time, they need a lot of standard parts and then standard parts, usually they're easily, easily found in uh, online. Uh, let's say databases and some of the, uh, suppliers online. But yet, if, if you've got uh, a big company that doesn't really necessarily hire experienced, uh, individuals, uh, maybe, a you know, a, a junior level engineer, he may not know the difference between the standard and, uh, and the custom and or maybe he will mm. go and, uh, order, you know, custom parts in, instead of in place of standard parts. And then nobody will know about it until kind of time has passed, a couple of months or two. And here it is there in the middle of like uh, DVT. And then they find out that, wow, this is way too expensive. Oh. So, oh, yeah. You don't want to switch to another supplier, to another source yes. right. late in the development process. Right? I think that's the key message here. <laughs> exactly. Also, since you're talking about the design engineers and like the, the work done toward the beginning of a, a new product development uh, project. It's also good to have quality help with that PRD that you mentioned, right? The product requirement document. And and what I see very often is that design engineers and, and you know and, and, and the project manager and like the, the 
people who have sort of the, the concept in mind and the ideas about the product and so on, one thing that we did is keep very often the standards to, um, you know, that the supplier would have to abide by. So, uh, you know, very often people tell us, and we discussed this before in this podcast, right? People come to us and say, well, and I want this product to be the same quality as Apple products. Oh, wow. What does that even mean? I don't have the standard of Apple. How do I, you know, make it a, a specific standard, right? Because right. you don't know, like, it means like zero defect. Okay, but if I take a microscope, I will always find some defects on an iPhone, like they're still inside their packaging, you know? So uh, what does that mean in specific terms, you know? And that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't lead right. anywhere. Now, if you say you talk to a PCB supplier and you say, well, everything's fine if we specify, you know, uh, IPC 610, whatever, standard, right? There are standards for PCBA, for example, that give a list of typical defects and so on. Right. right. And, and you go to a, I don't know, plastic injection molding supplier and say, well, and the tolerance for this is going to be 0.1 mm, right? And for these parts and these parts, uh, you know, and, and the wall thickness and the, um, the way that this long part is going to warp and that, you know, okay, like that long part is should not deform by more than that much, um, that to more than that angle and, and so on and so forth. It's important to talk about these kinds of things because the suppliers very often now, except if you work with really good sort of world class suppliers that do put a lot of engineering in their sales process, right? And there are some of them. But chances are you don't want to pay the premium for these suppliers. Well, in that case, you have to do that work because somebody has to do that work, right? Otherwise, you expose yourself to all kinds of problems. And that's really something people don't understand about supplier quality management. Somebody's got to do that engineering work, right? If Absolutely. you don't work, yeah, if you don't work with world-class suppliers, you have to specify, you know, the standard and you have to ask the questions based on the risks of the, you know, the design of the parts. That's especially important for custom parts, custom design parts. It's the first time they will make it, right? They right. don't, I mean, the salesperson you're talking to, they have no idea what the potential issues are. So you got to step, step in and say, well, you got to make sure, you know, the tolerances are going to be like this and this and this, and we don't, we cannot see that kind of defect and, and so on. And you got to push them to, to think about it and estimate the probability and so on. And you're going to specify it. So if there's, there's a problem, you can come back to them and say, hey, well, well, you, you, you promised that and you give us that. It's not good, right? Uh, otherwise, you go, you just go round and round like, oh, you know, the customer doesn't like it. Oh, but you never told us that we think it's okay. What do you mean you think it's okay? Well, all the customers, they are very happy with that already. Oh, you know, how do you respond to that? Well, I think uh, like just, you, you made a good point. You know, the, the expectations need to be aligned. If you are a very small company, you know, one or two people, you got one small project, you don't have much experience with manufacturing, design, particularly like when it comes to, you know, specific areas, you know, like you mentioned, in terms of quality of a PCB or components or testing and reliability. Well, you can't go to a small manufacturing because those guys don't have specialized people. Those guys just have operators. Basically, they'll say, well, give me what you want me to do and we'll do it your way. 
So in that case, for for a small company, it's best they go to slightly bigger manufacturing, although they're not going to be kind of respected as much because of the volumes. But still, they'll be able to get a better, much better service because you know those guys will know what exactly they're talking about, and they'll design and manufacture exactly what they want. On the other hand, if you're a bigger company, right, you got people that are uh, very, very experienced. And I think Nokia and Apple does that a lot. I'm, I'm talking about Nokia that is gone. Uh, but they used to do that a lot. They used to go for a, a very small uh, factory that had everything that they needed, except that they just were lacking some of the know-how and technology. And then the Apple guys who were extremely experienced, they would actually help them grow with Apple on the other hand, they would get an amazing price on those parts. So, and the volumes. So, so it, it's kind of a give and take relationship. If you, if you're a small company and, and then you go to a, um, for example, a company that, uh, it's not even as big as our company. You know, we have all kinds of engineers that cover roughly pretty much complete design, you know, from scratch. And, and then we do, all kinds of reliability testing, quality testing. We, we do inspections. We do the whole full gamut of what is needed to develop this product from end to end all the way to, you know, to your customer, right? But there are lots of Chinese suppliers that you know better than I do that they don't have all that services. And they just want to basically give it to them and they just build a PCB and put it in the closure and they say, here you go. Right, right. So for the record, yeah, depending on the production volumes, the, because the contract manufacturing subsidiary, it goes up and down. We're somewhere between 200 and 300. So, yeah, I mean, you mentioned something really important is that small companies, yeah, will have to, to approach that in a certain way. It's really difficult for them to go to a big supplier Correct. and get a you know, get direct access to a good project manager who will be able to, you know, to listen to them and give them advice and, and get some feedback from, you know, specialized engineering resources inside the big company. Because very often it's very compartmentalized also within that big company. So not one person will be able to tell you everything. Uh, it's 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 tough. You know, you're not going to have the, the A team, right? The A team works with their biggest customers. That's and, right. Um, yeah, so that so is so is tough. Now there are mid-sized, you know, suppliers of uh, machining processes, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, uh, that do sell some engineering content. And again, you have there's a premium of you know an extra fifty percent, maybe based uh, you know against let's say relatively similar products um, uh, on on the Chinese uh, markets, right? There's often a big premium, but again. If it's a very critical part and it doesn't, I would say, it's not a big part of the cost of the full product, it might be worth it. It might be very, well, very, very much worth it. Uh, so anyway, let, let's get to the, the second part of this podcast episode, actually, is how to quantify a supplier, right, for, for, for quality, right? And the first thing, is usually some initial due diligence, right? Maybe, I mean, actually from a first call and maybe reviewing the website or the 
whatever, Alibaba page and so on. It's already possible to see a lot of information, right? Uh, and, and, and to sort of just to say no, not like these guys don't look like they have even the right profile, right? Uh, so right. if you give, and that's what we do, like for the initial stages, in the sourcing stages, just having the right form, the right template uh, for the uh, for the sourcing person to to go through it, uh, you know, and, and collect the right information. You you already have an initial feel for um, you know whether you, you this is a risky supplier or not, uh, and 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 already from there you have a first taste of the supplier, right? Um, and this is very 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 common to say well pretty clear that this one is like head and shoulder over the others just yeah i agree and like I collecting think that, a bit of information yeah i agree and i and i think that what what i was going to talk about in terms of like we're talking about i think uh supplier selection right so mm-hmm. the first step is that the team actually need to understand what kind of a supplier do they need like you said Low tier, high tier, you know, what kind of a size of the uh, s- supplier, what kind of, uh, for example, uh, capacity they should have. And then on the other hand, they need to know, for example, what kind of criteria is for that swap supplier in terms of, you know, quality development, reliability, testing, and, you know, financial stability, technical expertise. You know, all these things need to be evaluated in terms of criteria. Next thing to do is you start looking for, for that type, type of supplier that you were looking for, you know, to, within that criteria. And once you have found maybe one or two or three, depending on the need, then you start sending them RFQs, right? Is that how it works? Basically, you send uh, uh, proposals in terms very of... Very much depends. Yeah, yeah. Very much depends because if there's some, if it's for a custom part, Right. Custom design part, there's some intellectual property that you don't want to spread around too much, right? So, right. so in that case, you spend longer on the supplier uh, screening, let's right. say, yeah. get right. down to one or two. And uh, by the way, just last week, uh, Kate was on the podcast and she talked about, you know, the, the, the general sourcing um, uh, process. So maybe we don't need to go much in, in, in depth into it, but Let's say there's a supplier, you know, they kind of look good um, right. on on paper, right? Then tip, typical type of due diligence, if it's a Chinese supplier, right. well, first, is what they say actually true? You know, there's some websites in China, you can go there, like com and so on. They actually, by the way, that you can only access if you are in mainland China. Right. Um, um, I don't even remember if it works in Hong Kong. Yeah, it might work in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, you have to be in China, otherwise you can't. But you, you right. can see a lot of information about the suppliers. Uh, you know, the, 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 the actual amount of uh, capital, whether they are actually uh, authorized to do manufacturing. Otherwise, what is that? Just a trading company? What, what is it that they're doing, right? right. Uh, what kind of products they, they are authorized to work on? Uh, these types of things. Right, which is amazing. Basically, everything you need all in your fingertips. Yeah, yeah. Who who are the who are the owners? Uh, If they say they have very strong R and D and they develop their own products, maybe some customers. No, you cannot see that. But 
you can see, for example, how many patents and, and uh, ah, trademarks yes. they have registered. Um, so if it makes sense in the context of an ODM supplier right. uh, that has a lot of R&D people and so on and develop their own products, okay, that, that makes sense. That supports the claim. Otherwise, might look like they're stealing the like like registering you know intellectual property that actually belongs to their customers so right. it could go both ways <laughs> right sometimes you suspect you're wondering uh, yes. so uh, so that's the type of due diligence you can do you can also do a credit report check this is not just about china but you can sometimes get a glimpse at you know their amount of sales and even uh, right. debt right. and so on but in china the, very often a lot of <laughs> a lot of the, the, these numbers are very wrong. That's why they declare to the government right. uh, because they want to pay much tax. And they, anyway, they, they might have a lot of other debt and so on. So it's kind of limited, of course. You need to take it with a uh, grain of salt. So that that's the initial uh, due diligence. But then very fast, at least for the critical component suppliers, is really, really important to go on site, Right. Sometimes you have some big surprises. Another topic in the same line. So when would you, in your opinion, do the audit? If it's going to be a supplier that's really central to your project. Right. As early as possible, I would say. Otherwise, you might waste a lot of time. I agree. Sort of building your product around their module. And that... that, that that's really a shame, right? And then you go there and then you say, oh, crap. It's like three guys in an apartment, actually, or something like that. We can't build that whole project uh, around them, right? Well, I think custom parts. uh, Custom parts, you know, in order to... Yeah, in um, general. Yeah, in general. That's the ones that you definitely want to audit because you want to make sure they have Mm -hmm. the process capability, technical know-how, and then they can actually test the parts the way you want. And then, and then for sure, you want to make sure that they can handle the volumes that you need and maybe if they can expand or not, uh, expansion, you know, yeah. expanding the lines exactly. and so forth. Yeah. Basically, okay. there's two things. Yeah. There's two topics. What can they do and what right. is the risk? Right. Exactly. The- yeah. Can they help design, develop the, pro- the, the product or, or, or just that module that we're going to use or just that part? Can they actually give us some good engineering advice? Or like we have to, we'll have to spoon feed them and, and they just, we just like hire them to work on, on yeah. totally under our direction, right? Um, and, and can they, yeah, exactly what you say. Yeah. Can, can they make the right volume? Uh, can they can they test with their own equipment? Can they do this? Can they, can they do that? And then on the risk side is okay. Um, it, what's the risk that they might completely mess up a production? Right? Do they do they have do they have the quality staff to actually manage the the standard that will tell them that they have to follow? Will they actually right. even understand it? Uh, you know, people are you know. How's their English, right? No, you and I think you you said the the key word, you know, quality standards, QMS, and and the fact that you know in their lines they have quality control people and teams that are skilled in what they do. They have experience and they know how to catch quality issues. Quality issues are something that 
it really mostly comes with experience. It's not so much written down somewhere that, you know, what kind of a, for example, gap size is acceptable. But once you've been in that industry for a while, you almost know it, but you can just see it and know it that it's not meeting the requirement. And once you get the Mm -hmm. gap analysis done and you go and look at it, then you'll see that you were right. So I totally agree with you on that. I mean, all of those little details need to be addressed when you are doing the supplier audit with a whole collection of teams, right? You got a member from engineering, you got a member from quality. Ideally. Yeah. <laughs> for exactly. a big project. Right, for, for a big, big, big project. project. Exactly. We're Definitely talking work. medium to big project. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. So for a project, smaller project. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for a smaller project, it, it just doesn't make sense to, to have no. that kind of budget. So a, yeah. um, like a half a day visit or a day visit, by one person right. looking at the uh, some specific points in their quality system, you know that, and and the rest can be done on a video call, you know, like checking the engineering capabilities and things like that. That can be done right. uh, through a, a video call in in half an hour, an hour already to gauge to gauge it. But yeah, you mentioned QMS, quality management system. Uh, that's really that's really critical. There's still yes. a lot of suppliers in China that have paperwork just for decoration. And they say, oh, uh, oh, we are 9001 certified and also 13485 and 16949 and blah, blah, right, blah, right. blah, blah. Like even AS 9100, like for, you know, we right. even do aerospace and blah, 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 blah. blah. Uh, and, and the gullible buyers, you know, some of them are very smart, but I, I've seen a right. lot of companies fall for that. They say, oh, wow, this is amazing. This company is like so, so good, you know. Right. But but you don't even know the name of the 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 the, the, the certifying company. The certi- the certi- how do you call it? CB certifying right. body. Yeah, exactly. it's not. It's like a Chinese company that doesn't care. Would will sell you the certificate, right? As long as a consultant fits them the right papers and says the right things, as a Chinese company, you can get any of these certificates relatively easily. Okay, especially the the very general ones like 9001 14001 i mean it's so easy to get them right and you have so many options of certification bodies that will sort of close one eye and <laughs> and close their mouth and 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 just say okay that's fine all the paperwork is in order you get it you can put it on your wall right so <laughs> quality measurement system um you actually need to to dig a little bit into it very fast you have a sense. You have a sense. Is it is it a company that just has the paperwork for decoration or are they really leaving their system? And then if they're leaving their system, okay, is it properly implemented? Okay. Uh, that's really also very important. I, I was going to say something else that I have noticed mm-hmm. when, I, when I used to do at my time doing uh, supply audits. Some of the things that was overlooked a lot was reviewing the supplier documentation. There's a lot of stuff that Mm. you won't know unless you actually get into those documents. You know, ask, for example, Mm. can I see your uh, component qualification test uh, document? Mm. When when was that? What what part did you test and qualify? And they'll say, this one was, can I see the documentation? And you get to see a whole lot of information. You see how good they are in terms of how uh, in, in terms of actual testing, how many samples they're they're doing, if any of them that makes any kind of a sense, 
then you start realizing, you know, if this company has a certain credibility, you know, then it comes to, of course, uh, inspection. And I think that, uh, we do a lot of that, uh, with our division, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of supplier yeah. inspection mm-hmm. and how many issues we find there with some of the companies. You could be doing that during the audit, just a small inspection, you know, go through the line and just look and see how they're doing the, for example, yes. uh, pick and place or assembly process. You get to learn a yes. lot. And then, of course, yes. uh, observing the entire process, like how the management is taking care of you as a customer uh, and how many people are really knowledgeable, how many of them are speaking English, how many of them do in the meeting really understand what you're talking about as a customer. I think that's all extremely important. And, and in a process audit, basically you're invited there to visit that supplier and get to know them and there's a lot you can find out if you could just, you know, one thing I noticed that uh, sometimes when I did the process on it, I would see some area is closed and they would take you like a kind of movie alley. You know, we go this way and come back that way. Well, can I go this way? <laughs> no, 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 we can't go that way. <laughs> <laughs> it's very scripted sometimes. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so these are the on-site, yeah, on-site audits. Yeah, at the beginning and then you keep going. Maybe once a year to see if there's any issues, right? Exactly. And then you you want to sort of formalize which suppliers actually have been approved, right? Just to make sure that there's, there's some kind of guardrail against yeah. using a supplier that's not that that has not been qualified. Exactly. And and, and uh, we see we see some companies doing prototypes and prototypes prototypes and. And then they get, okay, this is our final prototype. Like we're ready to go into, you know, making the tooling and then manufacturing it. And we're like, right. okay, we're like, where's the bomb? And they say, oh, um, uh, what do you mean the bomb? Oh, the list of suppliers oh, uh, for the parts, list of parts and their suppliers. Oh, and, right. and, and then they give us like a link to, to Taobao or AliExpress or something. <laughs> like that. Right. And we're like, Oh, okay. Well, you are not that close to manufacturing, you know, because these guys sent you five samples that you, you use for your prototypes. But right. who's behind these guys? Where is it made? What, what, what do you know about them? Can they make 10,000 pieces good? Are you sure? Right? Exactly. So at one point, you have to force project managers and everybody to work with qualified suppliers, again, for the custom parts, for the very expensive parts and so on, right? It's very important to 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 have a, an approved supplier list and to use it. Yeah, I mean, and it's, in some cases they call it ABL, approved uh, the supplier mm-hmm. list. Some some other places they call it something else. But what matters mm-hmm. is that you have a database of uh, approved suppliers based on certain criteria that you can you know maybe try, uh, you know maybe you can uh, score them like uh, you know tier one and tier two and tier three. And this way you have an idea of uh, how you can negotiate uh, in terms of cost delivery and how much mm-hmm. risk you're taking on each, how much you confidence you have on their quality, on their delivery and their, you know, uh, all of those things are important. And I think that one of the things that is important is that we, I, I don't know if you remember, we used to do that uh, very regularly, quarterly supplier meeting. 
And that's when you actually rank each supplier based on their performance for the whole quarter. I think that's very, very important task. Yeah. Again, for projects of a certain size, definitely yeah. makes sense to put the resources in place for and manage the suppliers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 Is 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 yeah. Super important. It's it's really money well spent. And then, like tracking some some key metrics of performance yep, and yep. feeding that back to the supplier and you know getting their feedback on it and yeah. and putting pressure on those that are not doing too good and maybe like requesting them to come for a formal meeting to put pressure yeah. on, on their GM and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, exactly. there's a lot of things and uh, I think we're kind of out of time for these episodes. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, right. That's a, that's a major, of, um, yeah. Right. right. There's a lot of things like the ongoing supplier quality. And, and I think that you're right. Uh, those are for suppliers with volumes probably over 100,000 a month. So, yeah, I mean, for smaller suppliers, you know, 5,000, 10,000 a month, you probably don't need to do that. Uh, in fact, most of our uh, suppliers are somewhere between 50,000 to 100,000 and we qualify them internally. But for uh, smaller companies, before they come to us, they need to have some kind of a, you know, approved vendor list. Like you said, they need to have a bomb with the suppliers mm-hmm. that are already approved by them. Otherwise, we have to do the work for them, which we will yeah, we'll, we'll do the work, which is fine. But again, that's time and, uh, and, and, exactly. and time doesn't come free. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that was... Um... That was that was full of good advice. Thanks, Andrew, and um, I Absolutely. hope that the listeners could take something away from from this episode. So, thanks again, thanks, Andrew, and thank, thanks everybody for for tuning in. And uh, you'll hear from us next week as usual. Thanks again for listening to this podcast, brought to you by the Sophie's Group. We're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in Asia, including inspections, auditing new product development support, contract manufacturing, 3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot com, to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share, because it will really help others discover us too.